How is everybody doing? And welcome back for another Strength Chat episode. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure to have this guy on the podcast again. I've spoken to him twice before in episodes 82 and 124. I've spoken to him outside of the podcast as well. He's a guy I've got a massive amount of respect for and I've learned a lot from every time I've spoken to him. Today, I am joined by the one and only Joel Proskovitz. How are you doing? Steve, thank you very much. I'm well, I'm well. And uh, all of that back at you. It's uh, an absolute pleasure to be here on uh, the Strength Chat podcast for my third time. Um, obviously, again, what I'm saying, of people are, are interested in my story. So it's an absolute honor to be back. And uh, I hope you're well. And thanks very much for having me back on. No worries at all. Thanks a lot for taking the time to, to jump on. And, um, you know, I'm sure we'll get into a, a couple of topics of, of, of what's been going on, of, of, you know, what the, uh, what the episode's going to be about. But since we last spoke, um, uh, you know, um, a, a year ago, obviously, with COVID, with everything else that's been going on, what's been happening in your world? How, how has everything been, been happening with you? Steve, we spoke uh, probably just after lockdown was uh, brought in here in, in the UK. And uh, everything was, was, you know, the world had changed. Uh, but in my world, things had changed quite drastically. Uh, I don't know whether some of your viewers will know or not know, but uh, I actually went in for spine surgery in June of 2020. And um, the, the journey has been phenomenally complex, uh, a lot more complex and complicated than both myself and my surgeon uh, and my team actually had, had assumed. Um, and uh, so the last year has really been a roller coaster ride for me. Um, and uh, I'm now sort of coming to the, the tail end of it. And uh, I'm hoping that uh, my story will empower many people out there that are currently dealing with back pain. Um, and uh, because in every uh, element of adversity, Steve, you need to find the silver lining. Because um, as, uh, you know, as warriors, I'm hoping I can term myself that. That's what we do. And uh, so, so it, it has been quite a journey, uh, a journey that um, I think as a clinician, funny enough, dealing in low back pain, you, you never really get to understand the intricacies of a patient's journey or pain presentation until you become the patient. Okay. And uh, so, so it's been quite a year, my friend. It's been quite a year. So we'll, we'll get into the details. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that point because, you know, I know um, in, the, in the previous times we've, we, we've spoken, you know, the, the last time we spoke about was everything matters. You know, it isn't just the case of that one singular uh, event that causes back pain. It's a build up. It's a build up of everything, and you know, especially when uh, I, I saw you putting things out from there. You know, I've had conversations with, uh, with 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 clients, and I think we actually even had that discussion about with lockdown. A lot of people working from home. You know, posture not sat posture, and you know, sitting down a, a, a lot more. That it has an influence on on back pain and, and everything. And when we when we've spoken about that, I think sometimes people often forget as you know, a lower back specialist, the courses that you run, the people that you work with, Joe will never have lower back pain. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a lower back specialist. It's the same as when people are looking at um, coaches or PTs, oh, their food must be, must be awesome all the time. Whereas actually, you know, it's some of those things where 
things will happen and then going on the flip side of it you know you can you can learn a, learn a lot from a, a lot more from there so probably probably the first question because i remember having um you know a, a phone call conversation with you once you when she'd had your uh, uh, surgery and we ended up really releasing the podcast um from sort of like diagnosis to the to the operations that you had what was what was that journey and when we're speaking about you know everything matters what was the build-up from that and, and, and some of the some of the causes sure Steve, I'm going to, I'll contextualize everything. Um, but what you just said is very important. You know, people look at me and think, oh, well, I could never have low back pain. But every single human is fallible and vulnerable. Um, we are skin, bone, muscle, and fascia, and things break. Um, and uh, it's really um, how we look at things and how we overcome things that define us as uh, human beings. So um, my journey started many years ago and with regards to, to my back pain, not me being a, a low back specialist, but I had picked up an, a very specific injury in my younger years called a spondylolisthesis. It's a really big, really tongue twisting word that a lot of people don't quite understand what it is. And a spondylolisthesis quite simply is a very distinct fracture of particular bones in the spine, and it causes one of the vertebras to actually flip forward over the over another one. Uh, I'll, I'll use my model to to actually illustrate the point. But um, if this is uh, this is a model of a sacrum and the two lowest lumbar vertebra, which is L4 and L5. Now I had a fracture of these bones right over here called the pars interarticularis. So I had a fracture there and a fracture right over there and it causes the L5 vertebra, which is this vertebra here, to actually slip forward over the sacrum. Now, many people can go undiagnosed with a spondylolisthesis and live a very, very functional, non-painful uh, life. Unfortunately, in my case, I had fractured the pars in a very particular way. And over time, I knew eventually that I was going to require a surgical procedure because I had what they called or what they term in, in the medical uh, fraternity, an unstable spondylolisthesis. So when I would flex forward in my spine or if I would extend back, there would actually be a translation of L5 on S1. And that translation was roughly uh, about between five to seven millimeters. And anything over about three millimeters is graded as an unstable uh, spine or an unstable segment. Now, I had lived quite happily with the spondylolisthesis for about 20 years. And in actual fact, um, that's what got me working with, uh, with Professor Stu McGill is I sought out his expertise very, very early on uh, in my diagnosis. And uh, my interaction with him really put me in a very, very good position to understand the spine, understand you know, certain mechanisms to avoid so that the spondylolisthesis didn't become a very provocative uh, aspect in my, in my back pain. Unfortunately, um, and I clearly remember the day, Steve, it was, uh, it was my end of year staff party at Performance RX in 2019. 
and we were all out for dinner and we were having a good time. We were at a Mexican restaurant in London and out of the blue, just out of the blue, it hit me like a lightning bolt. I got this bilateral ridiculous pain down my legs. I was just sitting there and having a drink and I felt sciatic pain run from my back through my glutes, through my hamstrings, right down into my heels. And I hadn't, I've never experienced bilateral sciatic pain before. And I realized at that moment that things had started to deteriorate. And the early start of 2020, um, I was starting to get that sensation on a more regular basis. And I just knew at that stage that the time had come for me to start uh, considering uh, surgical interventions because my toolbox was decreasing rapidly in the gym. So I couldn't even do my core stability stuff anymore without flare-ups. So, and, and really, I, I understand the modifications and the ability to strip the exercises back. And even with all my knowledge and the ability to strip things, I still wasn't really making progress. And it was in around about May that I made the decision to have a team call uh, between myself, Stu McGill, and my surgeon. And uh, we started to discuss the different options. And then I continued that discussion with my surgeon. And we went through a multitude of different surgical options, the pros, the cons, what can happen. And uh, this surgery, it was, a two, it was supposed to be a two-phase surgery, Steve. Um, the surgery began on the 15th of June in 2020, with the second surgery occurring a week later on the 22nd of June. And unfortunately, there were a multitude of complications. And to no fault of my surgeon, in actual fact, I've, I've praised him publicly on multiple occasions because if I never had him and I had someone who had been, let's say, a little bit more dismissive, uh, I would have landed up in a far worse position. Right. And uh, anyway, so it's now culminated in me having my seventh and hopefully my final surgery, which took place uh, exactly three weeks ago. So that's where I am. Yeah, it's uh, when, when we when we talk about that, and you know, I know we were chatting a little bit before we we, we started recording, and it wasn't um, uh, it wasn't sort of like small surgery, you know, that, that that you were having. I know you showed a little bit of a demo before before we started recording there. Probably a couple of things just just chatting from there because. I know for myself and, you know, maybe maybe people listening as well, having had that, you know, initial uh, injury and then you mentioned there 20 years training, you know, uh, feeling fine. And then, you know, something is going out, going out for a meal and, and then feeling pain from there. When the clients, you know, putting the coach's hat on rather than the, rather than the sort of the, the patient's hat on from there. How have you spoken with people in terms of, because one of the phrases that you put there was, you know, you've got that knowledge base of the tools in your, in your toolkit and you've used them and they were slowly starting to run out and it got to a point where, you know, the options there were, were surgery. Is that how you've dealt with, uh, with clients as well? And, you know, if people have, have lower back pain that, you know, first and foremost, we want to be using those tools that we've got. And, you know, there is a strong chance that we can, you know, last a long time without having that option of going for surgery straight away, straight away. Because sometimes it is a case of, you know, sometimes think, oh, I need, I need to go and get get this fixed straight away. Whereas actually, for twenty years training and every and everything that you've done, you've you, you've been able to do. 
Steve, that's a good question. And, you know, again, just to contextualize everything, because, uh, again, with the advent of social media, there's many people out there uh, and well-intentioned people uh, giving out advice for back pain. And um, as, as I'm sure uh, you, you already know, I'm very, very non-prescriptive in anything that I do on social media. It's because I deal with a very, very particular demographic of back pain patients. I really get to deal mostly, or, or I would say 95% of my practice, uh, I get to deal with some, some phenomenally disabled individuals. And it's really, now it's not, the onus is not upon me to determine as to whether that particular individual needs to have surgery or not. That is a decision between them and their medical doctor and or surgeon. But a lot of people do come to me and they've seen multiple clinicians, they've had their presentation that has progressively gotten worse over the, let's say the last three or four months to a point of where they're a lot more dysfunctional. And they come and see me to determine if there's a conservative intervention that can assist them that they haven't tried before they decide to go down the medical route of a surgical intervention. And what I do is, once I've done my assessment, we have a very, and I'm going to use this word extremely strongly, we have a very adult conversation. And I run through everything with them. I don't, I don't create fear. I shoot straight from my hip. And I tell them, this is your MRI. This is your presentation. This is the outcome of my assessment. And I wasn't able to reduce your pain. Right, And if I'm not able to reduce your pain, my suggestion to you is to now go have a conversation with your surgeon. And, and most of the time, I join that conversation via Zoom. And we have a three-way conversation because the surgeons whom I work with are very open to listening to my biomechanical assessment outcomes. So I can then tell them what I found objectively in the assessment they can then look at the mris and we look at them together and we can all make a, a very informed decision and at the end of the day it's the patient's decision um, it's not mine it's not the surgeon's but at least the patient uh, i would say that they are a well more informed as to how about going uh, forward and uh, that's that's the key, Steve, because, again, if you look at a lot of patients that come to see me, uh, it's a very common theme. They say, Joel, I don't quite know what's happening. No one's quite explained uh, what's going on. No one's really explained my MRIs to me. And again, you know, I'm, I'm always going to refer back to social media because it's such a powerful platform these days. You know, you've got a lot of people that have extremely strong opinions about MRIs and you shouldn't order MRIs or show MRIs. Now, that doesn't apply to me. It doesn't apply to my clientele because my clientele come to me with their MRIs and they actually want to have a proper explanation. And I can only assume that the people who are uh, very strong uh, against or, or publicly against uh, not explaining MRIs to, to their patients either don't have the skills to properly explain their MRIs, or they don't have the ability to assess the client and then correlate the outcomes of their assessment 
to the findings of the MRI. But I'm, again, I'm going to go back to my hashtag. For me, everything matters. And it's very, very rare, Steve, if ever I've had a patient turn around to me and say they don't want me to explain the MRIs to them because it's too fearful for them. They generally will explain the situation. And once they have that information, they turn around and say they now feel a lot of relief because now they know how to make a proper informed decision as to whether to have surgery or whether to stay on the conservative uh, route. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, you mentioned that a couple of times there of, you know, uh, making sure that they've got the right information so they can make an, an informed decision. And, you know, we've spoken a couple of times about uh, sometimes you can see a snippet of information on social media and, oh, well, I'll just do this. And then that way, um, oh, well, we can just we can just keep on top of those. And that's going to that's going to reduce my, my, my back pain. And, you know, part of the reason why, you know, setting up this podcast is to learn from more experienced coaches and specialists in, in their field so that, you know, when they are when they are going and they get provided medical information, which is then coming over into the practitioner side of the world, that we can blend those, blend those things together and give them a little bit more information. Because I know, you know, when you're in that in medical environment, it can be quite confusing and not knowing, not knowing what, what, what's going on. And um, so having that information and being explained and sometimes, especially with, you know, I can imagine clients that who, who have worked with you, who worked with you for quite a, quite a long time, have that relationship with you. And then they get this MRI scan with maybe a doctor that they haven't worked, worked a, 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 as much with. So putting sort of the, uh, the, the patients or the clients hat on, how did you feel going into that conversation with, you know, Professor Stuart McGill and, and, and your surgeon as, as the patient of, you know, actually these two worlds are, are blending together and I've got a really good uh, support system around that rather than just thinking, right, that's it, you're over to the surgeons now and the other, the other, the other part is done. How did you feel sort of having that, having that together and having that conversation? Steve, that's a... Uh... It, it, it put me in a very, very comfortable position, right? Now, first and foremost, uh, I've taken it upon myself to research different spinal surgeries very extensively. Uh, I think I've said this before in my podcast, it's very uh, rare that I haven't uh, seen a spinal procedure. I've seen everything from fusions to laminectomies to discectomies to endoscopic discectomies. I understand the difference between a neurosurgeon versus a, an orthopedic surgeon. Um, I've, you know, I think I've seen everything bar the removal of spinal tumors. I've never, I've never been privy to that. Um, and because those are quite sensitive cases specifically with, with patients, right? Um, and I would have to, um, I would have to greatly respect the, the patient and the surgeon. However, um, for me, I, I became a student of the surgery game when I realized that I needed to go for surgery. Because prior to me going for surgery, I knew about you know, surgical procedures very well. But I now went so deep into understanding the differences between the materials that they would use in a cage versus the biologic materials that they would use for bone grafts, the pros, the cons, what happens if the surgeon goes in via your stomach, right? Or the anterior aspect to do the fusion versus what happens if they go through the back of your spine? What are the pros? What are the cons? 
Um, so, so for me, uh, from the time that I had decided to go for surgery to when I actually went for surgery, it was roughly about five or six weeks. Uh, that was the period. Steve and I recall, um, we had a good summer at that stage in, in, in the UK uh, last year. And I recall every single day during COVID, I sat outside in my garden and I must have spent anywhere between two to three hours every single day for about five weeks reading every single paper and watching every video I could get my hands on with regards to the difference um, between spinal fusion surgeries. So when it came to time of where I sat down with my surgeon and Stu McGill and we discussed all the different surgeries, I was very, very well healed with regards to my knowledge in the different surgical pros and cons. So my questions to both Stu from a biomechanical perspective and to, to my surgeon from a, from a surgical perspective allowed me the comfort and the confidence to know that I was in very, very good hands because um, my surgeon couldn't pull the wool over my eyes. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and, and so now I'm now being sought out by patients who are going for surgery who now come and ask me to sit in a conversation with them and their surgeon where I can now ask certain questions. And then the surgeon understands that, again, they can't really pull the wool over my eyes, so to speak. Um, and, and at no stage, Steve, am I turning around and saying that my knowledge is, is superior to a surgeon. There's no ways. Okay, trust me, you don't want me to do surgery on your back. <laughs> but it's more a question of giving the client or the patient the confidence for me to turn around and say, you know, that surgeon just really, really answered those questions very well. And, you know, I, I think you, you would do very well under their care or consider a second opinion or whatever it is, you know. Um, but again, the surgeons whom I work with, Steve, they're very, very knowledgeable. They're very open to a whole host of questions uh, being challenged. They are, they really are supreme surgical masters. Um, and uh, I'm very, very grateful to, to really be in their, in their inner circle, so to speak. Yeah, you you mentioned there about the, uh, the from the client's point of view having confidence, and you said about it going in going into that session, uh, going into that meeting, feeling comfortable that you know if you did have any questions, that they would be able to give uh, you know good enough answers, and if you challenged them, you know you felt comfortable with, with those answers because whenever there's a pain or an injury or anything that that goes, on, I know you know that. I think the biggest thing is is just the fear of well, is this going to get sorted? You know, am I am I am I going to go and is, is is everything going to go well? And having that confidence and having those uh, fears put to put to bed a little bit because I know sometimes uh, you know, especially when you're looking at, at studies or, or videos and everything, you can kind of think of it as, oh, right, this is this is this is pretty pretty ma pretty major stuff. So being able to have that conversation. And feel comfortable about it. I think has a big has a big impact, and that kind of goes on to the uh, sort of the, the next question that I, that I wanted to ask is when we talk about confidence and, and fear of injury and you know that that nervousness of, of going of going into surgery. How did your mindset change throughout the process? You know, from you know having that twenty years of 
um, uh, you know, being able to train and, you know, having relatively, you know, no issues to then having that mindset of, right, okay, something needs to happen now because my toolkit is, uh, my, my toolkit is, is wearing thin. And then the mindset surrounding having, you know, being thrown a little bit of a, of a curveballs and complications from the, from the first surgery and then the surgeries that you've had now. Steve, that evening in 2019, when I experienced the bilateral sciatic pain, my thought process changed there and then. And my thought process went from being a back pain specialist. And I thought to myself, I'm now a back pain patient. So straight away, I took on board the fact that I now may be walking down the path to an eventual surgery. So with that, what I did is I took myself in hand and I thought, I'm going to become as upskilled as, as much as I can in understanding what the journey is now as a potential surgical back pain patient. So straight away, my mindset changed. And Steve, you know, it's, it's everyone's mindset is different. That's why there's the biopsychosocial aspect of back pain, right? And why uh, sometimes, uh, or, or all the time in actual fact, you need to understand the human being that you are dealing with and adapt to, to, their, uh, to, 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 to their character and personality. So with me, I'm pretty much a put your head down type of guy and just get on with it, right? And so I started, it felt as though I was going into war. That's how I approached my pending surgery at the beginning of 2020. Uh, it, I felt like every morning I was putting on my camos and sort of, you know, uh, it's it sort of disguising my face and, and, and getting ready for war. And I, I recall the very first uh, surgery, uh, which was on the 15th of June, 2020, when I went in. And that was a surgery where they, en they enter to get your spine through your stomach. So basically, it was a vascular surgeon first who did the first part of the surgery. So they cut your stomach. Uh, or they cut your abdominal wall, and then they move the um, the sac that that's got all your organs, and they did, so the, the the peritoneum. They move that across, uh, and then they remove the surgeon, orthopedic surgeon, removes the disc at L five and S one, and that's where they put the cage in, and they raise your spine up, and they shift your spine back, and they do a whole host of things. And I recall that I was, I wouldn't say I was extremely nervous, but I was anxious. Right. So because the reason I wasn't nervous is because I had I know my surgeon very well and I had done an extreme amount of research. Um, and then when I came out of that operation, I felt really, really good. So a week later, I then had to go back in for the second part of the operation, which is where the surgeon goes through your back and then they insert pedicle screws. OK, both at L5 and at S1. And then they put rods in. And then they pull my spine back because remember my original injury caused my spine to slip forward by about five millimeters, which is a significant amount, right? So the, the, the second operation was to pull me back and then lock me into a, a very lordotic or a very good sagittal plane uh, balanced position. Anyway, 
it was when I now when I went in for that surgery, I was feeling really good because I was quite I was on a high from my first surgery, right? Yeah. However, it was when I woke up from that second surgery, Steve, mm-hmm. that things really went downhill because unbeknownst to my surgeon and anyone else, I had actually acquired what they call a traction neuropraxia. And a traction neuropraxia is that when he pulled my spine back, the L5, the exiting L5 nerve roots, which come out of the side of the spine, they go through the front of the pelvis, and then they go, they exit, they join with other nerves and they exit through the back of the pelvis and go down the back of the leg. What had happened was as he pulled my spine back, right, he had stretched those nerves because the nerves had adapted to a shortened position over the last 20 years. And I then woke up from that surgery, Steve. And I honestly tell you, I don't think I could ever express uh, the, uh, the magnitude of the pain over a, over a video call. But I woke up and it wasn't even a 10 out of 10 pain. I, I would say it must have been about a 15 out of 10. I wow. woke up in recovery. I'd never ever experienced pain like that in my entire life that I didn't wake up in recovery and think, Oh, my back sore, my legs sore. I woke up because I was screaming. And then the nurses ran in, my surgeon ran in and it was like, what the hell's going on? And it took them about two hours and 45 minutes to administer enough drugs to take the pain down by about two points so that they could get me up to the room. I then had over the next sort of uh, week, I had another three surgeries that my surgeon went in through the backside of my spine to make sure that the nerve was completely decompressed so that there was no compression on the nerve. And once that um, uh, that had been fully decompressed, it was now just, Joel, it's now time, suck it up and let's see what happens. Right. That's really what 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 it was. So my mindset, Steve, was very, very complex. There were moments that were phenomenally dark because I I was in hospital for three weeks during COVID. I couldn't see my family or anything to that degree. And uh, in actual fact, Steve, you know, the people that, that saw me at my worst were people like the nurses, the catering staff, the cleaning staff, they came into the room when I was literally living the darkest, darkest hours of my life because everything runs through your mind. Should I have done the surgery? Should I have chosen the surgeon? Should I have gone somewhere else? Should I have gone to to a different country? And you know, you run these things. And unfortunately, someone who has my experience and knowledge base, you know, you then start to analyze every bit of minutia that you can you know uh, what did he say what was he in his intention what did that nurse say and so so those three weeks were phenomenally um difficult really really difficult but as i say in those three weeks in being in hospital that's when i really knew that i was a back pain patient and it for me i got to a point of where right. This is it, Joel. This is what you have. This is your new normal. So now deal with it. Don't 
you can't cry over spilt milk. You can't think back and turn around and say, I should have done this, right? So, you know, Steve, if, uh, if I didn't uh, shave my hair when I was a youngster, maybe I would have more hair now. Who knows? Okay. So there's no point in crying over spilt milk. And my mind just works that way. I was like, right, this is it. This is what I have to deal with. I have a great surgeon. I've got a great team. I've got guys like, 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 like Stu McGill and a whole bunch of other people that, that, that were on my side. And now let's just do what I need to do. And the thing that really got me though, Steve, was on the fifth surgery, right? Which was the, 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 the third time that he had gone in post the second surgery, right? So, so on the fifth surgery, and which was sort of toward the end of June, beginning of July, I was still in the hospital. I woke up from that surgery and I had lost the use of my left leg. Oh. And I'd never had that before. So I couldn't flex my foot because what happens is the L5 nerve root feeds particular muscles down the leg that allow you to both flex your foot and actually flex your big toe. Yeah. And I had lost the ability to flex my foot and it's commonly known as foot drop. So I'd lost the use of, of my foot and my toe. So when I was walking in hospital, I was literally dragging my leg. Now, the surgeon said to me, this will pass. He said, but I don't know how long it's going to take. That is not the answer you want to hear. <laughs> anyway, it so happened that I was right. This is what I need to deal with, and I will overcome this. I think the reason that I had the ability to overcome it, Steve, is because I knew that my surgeon had done a really, really good job. He hadn't done a rogue surgery on me or he hadn't experimented with different types of surgeries or, or anything to that degree. It just happened to be a risk factor in the surgery. And hey man, I hit the jackpot. Yeah. So for me, I went through a multitude of different emotions. I went from, you know, dark to hope to a whole bunch of things. And as I got home, because I needed to get out of that hospital, I couldn't stay there. I was there for three weeks. And, you know, you become another number by that stage. And where, because the nurses can't even help you out, the, the pain is just beyond anything they've ever dealt with, that actually it was quite emotional for the nurses because there were times that they would come into the room and they would look at me and they would start to cry, right? Because they just didn't know what to do and they'd, they'd, they'd run out the room. And I, I'd obviously never experienced that before where a nurse came in, cries and, and runs out the room, you know? <laughs> I didn't know that I was that repulsive. <laughs> anyway, so, um, so I knew that, that, that I was on a mission to get myself better. And... Uh, I got home and, you know, with the support of my family and, uh, and my friends and my colleagues, um, I did really, really well. And unfortunately, I've picked up further complications and hence why I've had another two surgeries. But I'm, I'm, I'm in a much stronger, better position, Steve. Yeah. From from just what you said there, I remember having I remember having a phone call uh, conversation. I think I was I think I was at, at, in work all the time. I was doing something and we, we booked in a call. 
And when you mentioned about sort of like the painkillers and, and being in hospital, obviously, first of all, I was like, you know, are you are you okay, Joel? Is it is everything all right? And explaining that then the, the amount of pain, you know, that, that going through having that explanation surrounding it for somebody who um, is uh, very motivated and you know quite a, you know a, a strong person from what you've spoken about and you mentioned there about you know uh, being motivated look I'm going to get on with it this, this is what we're going to go and when um, for uh, people listening or you know uh, clients that you've worked with who uh, maybe haven't had as much surgery or any or anything like that everything that has that has happened there even someone such as uh, as strong as yourself there are times when you do, when, when you can't, when you can doubt it. And it isn't a case of, you know, we said about it at the start, no one's sort of untouchable or beyond uh, pain or, or, or anything like that. And I think it's a, it's a human instinct to, uh, you know, uh, you know, overthink things. You mentioned there with your knowledge and experience, what did that nurse say? What did that doctor say? What, what, what could I have done from there? Because, you know, it is, uh, it is a human emotion. You know, there are going to be times where, when, 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 th- when things are, uh, when things are, are challenging, um, you know, but having that, uh, that that progress and that mentality of look, you know, there's got to be, uh, there's got to be a way out. There's always got to be like it isn't a case of. Um, I, I think I think we actually spoke about it before that you know if you have uh, if you have uh, lower back pain um, or an injury or, or pain in, in 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 anything, oh well, that's just what it is now. I just have that now. This is what it is, and actually isn't. You know, that's no sort of uh, that's that's nothing to have there. Uh, you know, it needs to be a. a, a uh, there needs to be a way out and progress and light and light at the end of the tunnel and seeing what you what you've mentioned there and the progress that you've made you know it should be it should be motivating I know I feel motivated from that the other the 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 process that that you've gone through um and that kind of goes on to because I remember obviously you know you've you've tracked some of your uh, your rehab over the over the uh, on social media and uh, one of the best things that I saw which you know quite a lot of uh, someone commented why did you have your knee up whilst you were doing a pull up and you'd got back to training. It was a case of, wow, this guy's had surgery and, he, and, he, and he's back doing pull-ups. What challenges that it came to, you know, when it's like, right, okay, I've had a surgery, need to get back training, need, need to do need to do something, you know, to help, you know, with uh, with that recovery side of things. But then also, what were the uh, what were the wins and challenges, you know, that that you had, you know, with a couple of uh, the setbacks, especially when you you know had to had to have that surgery again. You meant, obviously mentioned about 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 your foot. How did that influence um, your mindset and what were the challenges and wins that you found from, you know, after the surgeries and the, and the training that we had afterwards? The challenge for me, Steve, was to, for someone who's been very physically active, literally, you know, my whole life, was to go back to uh, being able to do exercise, but stop very, very short of reaching an empty gas tank right? In other words, I know that I could have gone back post my surgeries and I could have, you know, handled a 45 minute session, but it was having the discipline to go in there and know if I could train for 20 minutes, I would only train for five. Yeah. Right. That was very difficult for me because I don't need the motivation to train. I needed the motivation to protect myself from myself. So that was a very difficult thing. But the thing that assisted me with that thought process, okay, was the fact that I knew 
that you can't rush nature. All right. Now, this is not back pain or I'm not recovering from a disc bulge. I'm recovering from major, major traumatic surgery. This is what I had is the equivalent to open heart surgery. Right. So so on that basis, I knew that if I would um, if, if, if I would disrespect nature and the natural healing process, I would always come off second best. Yeah. And I wasn't prepared to do that. And I had a conversation with Stu McGill and these words ring true in my ear and they will do until the day I die. He said to me, Joel, cool your jets. <laughs> okay. I said, all right, prof. Okay. He said, Jolie, I'm telling you, just cool your jets. That's all I want you to do. And I said, cool. Cause I spoke to Stu on a, on a near daily basis and I was telling him what I was doing. Anyway, so, so, so that was the hard part for me, Steve, right? But it was, it was made easier by the fact that I, that I didn't want to disrespect nature. The wins were when I was able to just incrementally add another rep or go on the treadmill just a little bit longer or go on the bike just a little bit longer. And, you, you know, if you go back on my Instagram, you'll see how things progressed from month to month. It wasn't a day-to-day -day progression. It wasn't a week-to-week, -week, but it was month-to-month. -month. So I've, I learned to have patience, Steve. Uh, th this has taught me, you know, patience, especially now that by, by February, you know, I was squatting again. I was doing a whole host of things, albeit I wasn't, I wasn't putting, you know, massive load on my yeah. back. But unfortunately, then I had a downturn because of the hardware. So the hardware in my back started to cause me troubles. So I then had a surgery in March and that went unfortunately wrong. And then I've now had to have a surgery again in June, right? And hopefully this is my, my, my final and I'm done. So now I'm really, really back to square one. So everything I had gained from June to February of this year has now literally been wiped off and I've got to start again. So my journey back into the gym will begin in about three weeks time. And it's going to be, if I can tolerate five minutes, I'm going to do two minutes. So, and I'll chart that journey and I'll chart that progress again, because I've had feedback from a lot of viewers saying it's been very inspirational and it's been very helpful to them. So, and, and I'm going to do that. I'll, I'll, I'll take it upon myself. To, to share my journey because my goal is to help and inspire people and, and, to, and to spread the knowledge of, of what I've been privy to. So on that basis, it's, it's, I've got to have the mindset now to start over again, but it's easier for me now because I've been through it already. Yeah. And that's the key is once you go through something and you understand that it's not going to cause you damage or it's not life-threatening or it's not a red flag. You come to terms with it and you just deal with it. That's yeah. what happens. And, you know, Steve, just if I may, if I can extrapolate a little bit from that and, and talk about patients that have got back pain. One of the biggest things when people have got back pain and they don't have the knowledge, you know, as, as a practitioner or, or, or someone who specializes in the spine is it's the fear of the unknown. They don't know what the pain is telling them, 
right? So they don't know, is the pain telling them that if they do something and it amplifies the pain, are they going to have permanent damage? And again, when you remove that, not by just saying, oh, don't worry about things, just go off and move, which I find a very infantile prescription, right? It's, it's more when you can objectively determine that that pain doesn't equate to permanent damage or more damage, and you release the fear from the patient, they then understand that if they've experienced the pain once and it's not permanently damaging, that if they experience it again, they don't fear as much. And it empowers that person to understand that they can push a little bit further. But, sorry, go on. No, and, and, and really, so, so from in my journey, as a back pain patient, that's what I got to learn very, very intimately. Two two things that you that you kind of said there, and we touched on it a, a little bit before in terms of in terms of the the fear and when it first happens, you know, especially in your in your circumstances in terms of you know the 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 end uh, of the line, if you like, in terms of right, we're gonna have, we're gonna have to have surgery, and then to have you know it, it, it twice two two blocks of surgeries. Right. Okay. So I'm getting a little. I get a bit, a little bit used to used to that now. You mentioned disc bulges and, and and those sort of things. It happens again. Right. Okay. Now I have a better understanding of it. I know for me, which started this this, this whole problem, uh, whole whole process. I remember hurting my back, reading back mechanics, speaking to yourself, Stuart McGill, and learning as much as you can. It's like right. Okay. So this isn't a case of I'm never gonna. Uh, you know, I don't have to stop powerlifting. I don't have to stop competing in, in strength sports. However, again, what what you've mentioned before, everything matters. So we need to be a, a, a little bit more, a little bit more conscious of it. And as well, a key thing in there, which you know, sometimes maybe from a coach's point of view, you said right, you know, helping, you know, as a as a as a as a coach's um, uh, starting point, you're there to help the client and get and get them to to where they want to be and support them. But sometimes you think. Oh well, they're progressing, so can we nudge it up a little bit more? Whereas actually, patience, I think, is a really under uh, undervalued uh, trait that trait that we need, you know. And having those wins of oh well, you know, I'm getting to a point month on month, I'm I'm progressing from there, and having those small wins because even though they may seem small in the grand scheme of things, they're actually quite big because it's still it, it's still heading in the right direction. I think sometimes that's where people can, you know. At that end, if it's if it's disabilities or, or other things, just having that patience to look. It's a process. It's a it's a journey, and it's gonna because you know the dates that you've mentioned there from starting in two thousand and nineteen. That's coming up. You know, two years. You know, of, of trying to focus on this, whereas sometimes it might be you know a couple of months for some people. In the grand scheme of things, look, you know there is gonna be a, there is gonna be an there is gonna be an end end of the line. But it's just having that patience and 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 and, and progressing through that. So the you've, you've made me think of a saying that I stole from a movie. So when after my last surgery, you know, I, I really didn't want to read anything about back pain or anything like that. So I lay <laughs> in bed and I watched a little bit of Netflix and the rest of it. And I was watching a movie, and there was a saying that really hit me, and I, I've written it down. And the saying goes, survival is a journey that never ends, right? So, you know, someone said to me before I had this last surgery, they said, 
at my gym, they said, Joel, aren't you just so tired of this? Can't you just wait to get back to normal? And I said to her, I said, you know, I really appreciate you saying that. And I, I, I appreciate your, your kindness and generosity in, in, in wishing me back to normal. But I said, that's not correct. Because every single day I wake up, whatever I'm presented with, that is my new normal. And I then need to deal with it. Because Steve, I don't live my life and I never have lived my life, right, in waiting for something to happen, right? I just make it happen on a day-to-day -day basis. Maybe it's ignorance. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just not that clever. I don't know. Okay. But, but for me, all right, I'm, I'm not working toward, oh, I'm going to be better in eight months time. I don't know what the hell eight months time is going to hold for me. Who knows yeah. what, what's going to happen? So for me, okay, when I heard survival is a journey that never ends, that is so true, right? Because every single day for me, I'm presented with a new normal, a new pain, and whatever it is, a new challenge. And I just need to attack that as best as I can. And guess what happens when you look back and you see you've done that for six months, you realize where you started and you realize now where you are. And that for me has been personally the most empowering realization in my whole journey. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, uh, taking it, uh, I think sometimes there's a tendency to think, you know, bigger scale, whereas, you know, uh, the conversations I'll have with clients, you're going to get thrown, you're going to get thrown, you know, curveballs. There's going to be things um, that are going to happen on a, on a day-to-day -day basis that might, you know, uh, make it a challenge or an obstacle. Or there might be some things where you think today is going, today is going really, really well. And you make a little, a little bit more progress from there. Um, but, you know, all those small wins that they, they add up, you know, and I think that sometimes I think people are so focused on uh, the end product or, or where they're going that sometimes actually just standing, stepping back and looking how far you've come is sometimes that um, refreshment or that refreshing feeling and motivation that you need to be like, do you know what? Actually, I'm not I'm not doing too, I'm not doing too bad. And when you mentioned there about the times where you know you you know in in severe pain. Where you where you feel where, where you're feeling down, I think those those wins and progressing forward, they make it even they make, they make it they make it even better. You know, it's not a case of you know at that time, you know, it's not it's not a very nice situation to be in, but there's always something to to to, to progress from. Um, you've touched on a couple of a couple of times there, you know, uh, about how you've uh, worked with worked with clients. Um, and now, obviously, knowing different different procedures, and you know, speaking with surgeons and everything, throughout this whole process, from you know the, the first surgeries that you've had, the rehab that you've done, and, and, and progressing the curveballs that you've been thrown, how has that how has that influenced your coaching and how you're working with uh, with, with clients? If if it ha if it has changed at all, um, whether it be a case of the knowledge that you've gained from the from the surgeons, and you know how you can uh, how you can pass on more information information um, to clients but also you know we, we've had this conversation before and you've mentioned it you, you've mentioned it in this chat uh, today dealing with the person that's in, in front of you you know how has it influenced your skills of, of working of working with people who you know have back pain and want to get out of pain Steve I'd probably say that in the last year my skills and my confidence as a low back pain practitioner 
has um, increased tenfold. And I, I, I'm putting that down to the fact that I became a patient and I don't recommend specialists to go become patients. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. But I used it as an opportunity to upskill myself. I used it as an opportunity to understand and have the empathy required to deal with patients that are truly, truly lost and need direction. And I would honestly say to you that right now, the fact that a patient sits in front of me and not all of them know my story, right? Because, you know, not everyone is on Instagram or on YouTube, but when I tell them what I've been through, there's a change of atmosphere in my clinic room straight away because we're now both on the same page. The patient, okay, is not trying to explain something to me that I've never experienced. You know, Steve, I can't account for other practitioners that have had back pain, right? But I, I would honestly tell you, and I've had this conversation multiple times with Stu, I would honestly tell you that as a back pain practitioner, I personally have experienced every presentation of pain known to man, right? So whether it's bone pain, nerve pain, nerve compression, nerve traction, uh, I've, I've, I've felt peritoneum pain where they, you know, they've pulled my, 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 my stomach across. Uh, I, man, I, I felt neuropathy, you, you name it, I felt it. Okay, so what that's done is it's allowed me to fill my toolbox so that when a patient says to me, let me try and explain this pain to you. I don't think you'll understand. I sort of, well, let me explain. I do understand. <laughs> and I don't understand it because I've read it in a textbook. I understand it because I know exactly what you're feeling. So what it does is it levels the playing ground. They don't, they don't come to me, all right? Uh, and they don't feel the stress of, of, of really trying uh, to explain something that they don't have the medical terminology to explain to me. And, and I always say this, maybe one of my strengths, Steve, I don't know, but is to take the complex world of, of the lumbar spine and make it very simple, because that's just how my head works. Okay, I like to bullet point things. So, so, so on that basis, it's given me the empathy, it's given me the skills to truly, truly work with a back pain patient and also be very, very frank with them. You know, um, not everyone is going to get better from just a mechanical conservative intervention. Not everyone needs surgery. And, and, and that's the whole thing is, is I can honestly say it from a, a position of strength because I've been through it. Yeah. Um, and um, I'm bizarrely, I'm very, very grateful for what I've gone through in the last year. Um, it's been tough. You know, there's, there's times I've even got videos of, of my daughter, you know, my, 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 my 12 year old daughter trying to help me take three or four steps up and down my street you know, and, and there's many, many other dark times that I'm not going to disclose here on, yeah. on, on this conversation, but, you know, so, and where I am now, 
you know, I'm, I'm driving. I went for a 25 minute walk this morning before our podcast. Um, and those are wins for me. And I can relate that to a patient when I say, don't worry if you have a bad day, because, you know, so this too shall pass and there's going to be more good days ahead. So I'm very grateful for what has happened to me because I've come out of the other side um, phenomenally empathetic for back pain patients. I think, which is, which is awesome, which is awesome to hear on that. And it, it kind of goes back to, you know, what we were, what we were chatting at the, uh, at the start about, you know, that everything that uh, could have happened, you've, you, you, you've, you've experienced. And it is one of those things of, Oh, well, how, how do you, how do you come out at the end of it? And it is that thing of, you will learn, you will learn from it. There are things on there that, you know, it isn't, it isn't so much that it's, uh, it, we're not going to, we're not going to get, we're not going to get better from there and using it as, as a positive and from the coach's side of things, you know, when we're saying uh, a, a, low, a lower back specialist has been through everything from there. I think sometimes when we, when we're working with, with clients, it can be quite hard to, un, to understand. Whereas actually, you know, everything that you've been, you can be that, you can be that source of inf in, in information. You can say confidently, you know, exactly like when we were talking about going into that meeting and working with uh, and, and speaking with surgeons, go into that confidently. And when clients are coming and working with you, know confidently and be comfortable in the fact that I'm in safe hands here because I know I, I know I know what we're doing. Sometimes that doesn't 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 always happen. You know, like what you said there. You know, don't go out and have you know lower back lower back surgery if we you know if if it's not needed. But I think that's a good a good tool to a good tool to uh, to to have. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, we, we you know we're going to build a relationship with uh, with these people with these clients and make sure that you know again we've touched on it throughout throughout the chat of you know having that having that fear. The, the information, you know, feel anxious, anxious about these things. And, you know, sometimes it can be, you know, turn it into, turn it into a positive. I know it's a, a, a phrase that get, gets thrown around, gets thrown around quite a lot. Um, but, you know, we've got to use it from that because if not, you know, uh, again, we've, we've had, we've had conversations before of, you know, being in pain and having this, it isn't a case of, right, well, that's it now. That, that's it I'm, it's only dark moments only dark moments from, from there whereas actually it's like right no you know I want to I, I, I want to progress from there and that's where you know and I know for me especially from from speaking to yourself increase my knowledge base so it's a case of look there are specialists out there that you know and if you're a, if you're a coach listening to this and, and, and are unsure there are specialists out there who you can who you can speak to and be like look you know the, the goal is that is to help that person and the more information we put we put out about that, you know, that's why, you know, the you know speak, speaking uh, speaking through this, you know, when there are people sat there who who, who have got lower back pain or, or are suffering with pain in general, look, there is, you know, light at the end uh, light at the end of the tunnel, and there is things that things that you can do. To interject, Steve, this is a very key thing for me. Um, there, there were. There's two things that, that, that I'm going to, uh, to discuss very, very quickly. And this is a very common uh, term or, or common uh, statement. Uh, I'm assuming that many people know, but never ever give up because you don't know how close you are to succeeding. 
I think I've said that before. I don't know, right? But that stuck with me all the time. Never, ever give up because you just don't know how close you are to succeeding. You could be giving up and all you needed was just an extra hour or an extra day to have your life changed completely for the better. Also, as a practitioner, I'm going to say this, if there are coaches watching, a very influential book early, early on in my career, I'm talking 20 years ago, was Stephen Covey's The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, right? Now, I know a lot of people don't like the book or it's too complex for them. For me, it, it, it really hit home. And one of his rules was that he always said, seek first to understand, then to be understood. Now, I never quite got that, right, 20 years ago. I get it now. I sit in that room with that back pain patient, okay? I don't want them to understand me. I seek to understand them first. And if I can understand them, if I can understand what they're going through, because everyone's different. I get phenomenally resilient individuals that are happy to put 200 kilos on their back. I get very, very broken individuals that have had five or six failed back surgeries, right? So, so it, it's got nothing to do with my experience. I need to understand them first. And then having my experience, I can then impart some information onto them. And we can then have a very synergistic relationship in hopefully me guiding them as how best to look after their back pain. And, you know, so, so those are the two things, man. Don't give up because you don't know how close you are to success. And seek first to understand, then to be understood. Yeah, it was kind of, uh, the next day I was going to ask about take-home points are always reason, but you've kind of, you've kind of preempted me there. I think, um, I, I think that's a good, a good way to think about it. And, you know, the, the, with anything, it can be it can be challenging, and you know, uh, first of all, I'm, I'm uh, thanks a lot for sharing you know your your, your story your, your story with, with there, um, because I think you know whatever um, uh, I know. Obviously, we, we were talking about you know lower back pain there and, and the surgeries that you had, but you know whether other people have had long term pain or out of injuries of anything that you know you yeah not giving up giving up you know, shouldn't really be, be an option, you know, there, because, you know, having, uh, having pain, whether it's shoulder, back or anything, that isn't, uh, um, when we're talking about, because with anything, whether it's training, nutrition, becoming pain-free, corrective exercise, all these sort of things, ultimately it comes down to having, you know, a healthy, happy lifestyle and being able to do the things that, that you enjoy, you know, being able to play, play with your daughter, being able to, you know, go out for walks and, and do all these things. And I think sometimes, you know, especially when we, when we're thinking about, yes, you mentioned there, you've got people who can put 200 kilos on the back. Yes, that's good. But if we can't bend down and tie our shoelaces, it, 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 you know, what there's, 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 there's no point with it. And then again, you know, it falls back to one, what you've mentioned before, which is one of those things that, you know, when we've spoken before, everything matters. And probably if I had a pound for every time uh, I, I've mentioned that into the gym, I'd probably have to give you 50p of it, give you, give you, give you half of that, you know, the way I'm speaking to clients, because from a, from a client's yeah. point of view, 
from a coach's point of view, I think that's that's really important. And there's so much information there on, you know, you mentioned it on the mechanical exercises that, that we can do and, you know, uh, the, the training programs and all these sort of things. Whereas actually, you know, it's those things of, I think mindset plays a, a, re- a really good a good role in that. And, you know, I know we've touched a little bit on the training side of things of you being able to do squats and, and pull-ups, but a lot of it is the mindset thing, which I think when it comes to uh, injuries and pain is uh, is really, um, uh, is a really tough thing to, to overcome because, you know, again, we've touched on it before that a lot of people can have different, uh, different personalities and can sometimes find it hard to, you said right at the start, you know, having that warrior, that that warrior mindset that I think within everybody, it, it's it's within it's within them. It's just unleashing that to be like, right, we're not going to give up. We are going we are going to progress forward. And some of that is down to the uh, information, obviously, that that we have. Steve, you know what? <clears throat> One of my because when I was in hospital last year, I had three anaesthetists, right? That that were looking after me over that period of the uh, of the three weeks that I was in hospital. And two days before I was discharged, right, which was, um, I was discharged on the 12th of July, 2020, right? So I went in on the 22nd of June and I came out on the 12th of July. Anyway, two days before I was discharged, one of my anesthetists, I was semi-walking up and down my, uh, uh, the the hospital uh, hallway, well, dragging my leg. Uh, I wasn't really walking. And uh, one of the most encouraging things was said to me on that Friday afternoon when I was walking up and down. He came up to me and he said, Joel, he goes, I believe your surgeon is discharging you on Sunday. And I said, yeah, he is. I said, it's been three weeks and it's time for me to go home and, and, and get strong again. He said, I feel now that you're being discharged. I can tell you something that I've wanted to tell you from the beginning. And I said, what's that? And he, he leans forward and he says to me, he said, you know, Joel, he said, I've worked with a surgeon for 20 years. He said, we have never, ever had a case like yours. Never. Okay, that, that it's been so complex and that there's been so many complications one after the next. He said, if you were anyone else, you would probably be dead by now. Oh. Those were his words to me. Do you know, Steve, they were the most encouraging words. You know why? <laughs> Pretty damn hard to kill me. <laughs> so, so what I'm saying is tongue in cheek. Okay. Those words didn't disturb me at all. Those words encouraged me. They were, they were, it was amazing that a, a doctor, right? A medical practitioner who has seen multitudes of, you know, uh, traumatic uh, scenarios, right? turned around to me and said, any other, any other person would have been dead by now. That was just so encouraging. It was like, that's amazing. That means, okay, I can't give up because I'm close to success. Even though when, when, I, when I try to stumble back to my room, I still couldn't move my leg, right? <laughs> but it gave me hope. And that's what I'm hoping this conversation can do for a lot of people out there don't give up don't give up it's just it's not worth it because as human beings we need to be resilient all right we need to know that with bad days there are good days and with good days there are bad days but it is it is incumbent upon us right to not give up and you know you've asked me 
uh, I, I probably I'm preempting your next question and you, you're going to ask me for some words of wisdom and, and, and well, I don't know how wise I am, but what, what I can say is this, okay, is if you're a back pain patient, right, seek out professional advice. Don't try self-diagnose yourself with doctor internet. It's not a good place to go because it really can cause some, some you know, negative psychological issues, right? Because you read every horror story in there. So, you know, Steve, if I need an electrician, I'm sure as hell not going to get onto to, to the internet and, and try to work out how to fix my electrical box. I'll probably, you know, the whole place will explode, right? Pay or seek out professional advice where you can get an objective opinion and then you can be put on the right path in looking after yourself because the goal, and I speak here for, for, you know, for Stu McGill and what he's taught me and everything else, our goal is to give self-efficacy to people, to give them the ability to look after themselves, okay? But to have that, you need to be given the right tools. You need to be spoken to in the correct manner. And, you know, don't just get onto some social media page where people say the five best exercises for back pain. I'm like, come on, you know, that's, that, that, that's, that's infant school. All right. But really seek out a professional. And, and I'd probably end off by saying this, one of the sayings that always um, helps me in achieving whatever I need to achieve on a day-to-day -day basis comes from the great philosopher, Ralph Waldo Emerson. He said, we all wish to be settled. It's only as far as we are unsettled, is there any hope for us? And that's what I have to say. Joel, thanks a lot for taking the time to jump on. I think every time you know whether it's we've spoken on the podcast whether it's the the the, the, the phone calls that we've had from a, a knowledge base in terms of you know actual exercises and uh, physiology and anatomy I, I learned from you in terms of you know uh, from a mindset and a coaching and how we speak to people I, I learn a lot I learn a lot from there um thanks a lot for sharing your story um you know on that I think it's you know, from everything that we've said, especially the last two, the, the last two uh, episodes that, we, that, that we've chatted and, and, and published on um, how to prevent, you know, lo, lo, well, you know, prevent lower back pain and, and, and work with it to actually then have your ex, your experience there of, you know, the the, the, the surgeries, the, the, the end of the end of the line, if you like. And then, you know, how that's influenced your coaching and your mindset going forward um, is, is absolutely awesome. Um for everyone listening who might have any any questions um, about what we've spoken today, um, you know, or want to see, um, or maybe even you know, reach and get, and get in contact with you in terms of dealing with their lower back pain, um, where can people find you and, and, and reach out to you? Steve, very easy. Just uh, you get onto my website, which is performancerx.co.uk. We've got a contact form there. Um, I know a lot of people uh, direct message me on Instagram. Um, I try my hardest to reply to them, um, but there's just so many forms of communication these days. My, my head can't, can't, you know, I'm, I'm a 
bit older than you. My head can't work <laughs> with those things. But uh, the, the easiest way is just to contact us at Performance RX. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm more than happy. I always speak to people. Um, I never charge in, in, in having a, a, an initial conversation, telephone conversation with people to determine if I can help them or if I need to direct them to some other professional. Um, I can't do everything for everyone. Um, but uh, that, that's, that's the easiest way to contact me. And uh, I'm, I'm more than happy to, to, to have a chat. Awesome. Uh, thanks a lot, Joel, for taking the time to chat with me today. Uh, thanks a lot to everyone listening, and I will see you all next week.